0: Alrighty, we are going. So, uh, super excited to have both of you tonight. Um, Jeff, I, I alluded to this when I sent you the email to do this, but I'll tell you and Kevin, uh, since you're both here, I saw you guys for the first time. I had to ask my wife what the name of the theater was because we don't live in Syracuse anymore. Uh, the Palace Theater uh, mm-hmm. on James oh Street God. in Syracuse. It had to be 2016, no. 2017 or so. Uh, there was a Bad Company uh, mm-hmm. cover band that opened for you. I think it was yeah. Petty oh. Fest. Um, it was Petty it
1: was Fest, fact. yeah. It was probably 2016, yeah.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. That was the first time that I actually got to see you. I'd known about you before uh, all that. And then like as soon as my wife and I, well, she was my fiance at the time. Um, as soon as we went, we went with a couple friends with one of my brothers And uh, we went to like every show that we could find you that was close by after that, like we would go to Sharky's all the time. And then when you started doing things at Del Lago, um, I know. uh, So like my family's all moved out of the Syracuse area and I know uh, the Syracuse folks try to still get there, but like Tom Petty cover band like I was. I was all about it. And even when you guys just played the, the rest of the classic rock lineup, but that's why I'm so excited to speak with you guys tonight. It's well, definitely you. a real pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we love the palace. Uh, we just played a show in the fall at the palace, not with hard promises, but um, a tribute to Benny Mardonis, Uh So a reuniting of the hurricanes. That's the first time I've been back there and probably since that show that you saw. Wow. Um,
2: yeah. And yeah that was uh, that show was our last show at uh
0: at the palace petty festival yeah.
1: prior to that yeah we moved it to Delago after that
0: year yeah that was that was the reason because Del lago opened up
1: uh just the size uh yeah. you know it at 16 I believe it was pretty crowded and yeah. um <laughs> were kind of at capacity and uh Stacy waterman who helps us with that event said I think it's time for a, a bigger venue and uh the vine theater is at, at Del Lago is just a, one of the most gorgeous theaters I've ever seen. So it was a kind of a no-brainer. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. the Palace is beautiful. Palace is beautiful, and the sound is great at the Palace, too. I mean... Uh, just outgrew it.
0: Hey, that's, that's a good problem to have, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so, like, let's... Um, I guess I would love to know how we get to this point, right? Like, you're all part of local bands... Uh, different bands, possibly at at different points. Like, how does it all come together? Like, I mean, how do you even start playing, you know, what you are and like, how do you, how do you just like get together? Like, can you give us a little backstory into everything?
1: Well, I think uh, as far as Hard Promises goes, there is a story to the start of Hard Promises. Um, uh, So prior to Hard Promises, Kevin and I, uh, and, and John Goodwin, our, our keyboard player, and Todd, Trubiteris, uh, so four of us were in another band, um, called Kane, um, and Kane had been around for, uh, in that, for 10 years, um, at that point, um, Kevin was there for most of it, not all of it, and, uh, Todd was there for some of it, and not all of it, but John Goodwin wasn't in it, what am I saying? So, um, we, uh, we were another classic rock band that was pretty popular in town. Um, And uh, our drummer at the time, Pete Levante and and I uh, and Kevin, I think said, you know, we always pick songs and we said, we hadn't done any Tom Petty in that band. Um, And we said, why don't we do, uh, here comes my girl, which is one of my favorites. Um, And we, uh, we learned it and we did it. Uh, And uh, the, the gentleman in the band uh, who, kind of put the set list together, we noticed that the song wasn't in the setlist anymore. It kind of disappeared quietly. So when we asked why it disappeared, he said, ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really like Tom Petty. So that was a bit of blasphemy for us. So uh, we, uh, we got a little frustrated with that, and we decided to put a side project together that would play all Tom Petty, and that was Hard Promises. Um, so that's how it started. It actually started as a side project to our other band, Kane. Um, and we first started just only doing Tom Petty shows, um, before Kane had even broken up actually.
0: Wow. Okay. So that was, you said roughly 10, 15 years ago, maybe 10. It,
1: probably, it ended around probably 2011 as my guess, uh, okay. somewhere in the, 11 or 12, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. And, uh, I can't remember exactly, but, uh, so then when Kane actually broke up a year later, we decided, uh, that we could stay just a Tom Petty band, but if we did that, we'd really have to travel more than we could at the time because we were all working and you can't really be in an area like central New York and just do a tribute show because there aren't people will tire of it quickly. Sure. So bands that do that tend to travel, you know, to other cities, which we really couldn't do. So we decided to, uh, have a classic rock mix show as well. Um, with some other stuff that we liked um, so that we could play more frequently in Syracuse. Um, and I remember Kevin and I having this discussion about, do we call it another name? Do we just call it hard promises? You know, what do we do? And I think basically we were just probably too lazy <laughs> to come up with another name and another logo. And we just decided, decided that we were just going to call it hard promises and just define it in the way we advertise it. So it's if it's just, sure. if it's just hard promises, it's just a classic rock show. And then, when we do our Tom Petty show, it's always, uh, our promises, uh, the music of Tom Petty.
0: Very cool. So, uh, I'd love for you to both walk through, I guess, just like how you started playing music in the first place, uh, you know, where some of your influences come from, uh, Kevin, if you want to kick it off, I'll, I'll give you the floor first. Well, I'm, I'm not the oldest guy in the band, but I'm definitely older than Jeff.
2: So, Um, so I had uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, classic rock songs that, uh, Hard Promises does now. Uh, I was in bands back in the seventies when those songs actually came out the first time. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, you know, I, I basically started playing guitar when I was 10 years old and that was about 1970. And uh, I was all Beatles, I was all about the Beatles and Stones. Um, and then you know, then I discovered Eric Clapton from a guitar standpoint, and you know, just kind of dovetailed, uh, you know, it it took off from there. Um, and so I was in um bands throughout the 70s and 80s. some original bands, uh, some cover bands. So one of the original bands I was in, we were, uh, we would travel that we would drive down to New York city, play at uh, the China club or the bitter ends or, uh, CBGBs. We would play for like 35 minutes and drive back home to Syracuse. And, um, so kind of did the road warrior thing, uh, back then, the drinking age in colleges well the drinking age was 18 it was right during that transition so there was uh, there was quite a bit of work if you were in a in a band you could play at colleges and universities up and down the east coast which is what we did um, it was a it was a great time to be in a band um, and then you know life just kicked in and a uh, real job and wife and kids and all that stuff so I took a uh, I, I took some time off and then I first met Jeff when I was asked to join Kane. Um, I, I had, uh, in the late nineties or 97, I ended up, uh, joining, uh, Benny Mardonis's bands as one of the hurricanes. Um, and Benny had quite a following around here, central New York. His, his followings were mostly, uh, uh, central Ohio, a little bit of Florida, um, and then really big in upstate New York. Uh, so I had played with Benny starting in 97 all the way until, uh, the end, um, you know, which was, uh, you know, Benny passed away in 2020. Uh, and our last gig was probably a year or two before he passed away. So from 90, from 97 to about uh, 2018, um, 2019, I played with Benny, and we've done a few tribute shows to him ever since he passed. Um, we had, uh, through Benny, we had some luck, and, and Jeff ended up joining Benny, and he can get into his thing, but you know, we ended up having some really uh, great shows with Benny, Made some good contacts. We ended up doing a handful of shows with Eddie Money, uh, backing up Eddie Money because Benny and Eddie Money were uh, good friends. Um, So it it was a good experience. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm just kind of the weekend warrior guy
0: now. (laughs) Very cool. And Jeff, what what about you? What's, uh, give us some background into your story.
1: We're actually identical twins, so everything he just said is true for me as well. Um, no, um, I uh, uh, pretty, you know, very, very similar. We, you know, we both grew up here in central New York. So um, I grew up um, when I was in middle school, uh, right down the road was um, 95X, which was is still a radio station in town. But at the time, it was a truly independent radio station, wasn't owned by some big corporation. And so they could spin whatever they wanted to back in those days. And they pumped out a lot of new rock at the time, which was the early 80s. And uh, from middle school, we used to get out of school. and We used to go down there and drive the DJs crazy because you could literally, there was no secretary. You literally walked up and banged on the door and they were in the studio telling you to <laughs> shut up. Um, and um, and so we would go over there and we just, we were just, I just remember we were just so passionate about the music back then was was everything to us, you know. So, sure, Ben Halen, you know, uh, uh, was exciting and different. And we talk a lot about Brian Adams. Really, became kind of big in this area before he went national. Um, perhaps because he was from right over the border in Canada, but right. um, but they played him a lot. These these radio stations could play people, you know, songs they liked uh, and get you excited about them. So we were hearing some really cool music and then i wanted to start to play myself um and uh started actually on bass uh because my father said if i wanted to play an instrument i had to play in school in the orchestra or something sure so i decided to play bass and i learned how to play string bass at the same time just so i could play electric bass and um and did that right through high school played mostly bass picked up guitar along the way of as a side thing, but in any band I was in, I was always playing bass. And I wasn't singing. I was kind of singing backups and harmonies only only because I was one of the few kids in middle school and high school who knew how to find a harmony. Um, (laughs) Um and that's that's to credit my my older sisters who loved great music and loved music. So they taught me how to taught me about harmony um when I was pretty young. Uh it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I stepped out in front and went to the center and uh and play guitar and do what I do now, I guess, pretty much, probably pretty much the same way I do it now um, with, you know, 20 more pounds on me. But um, the, uh, the, so that started in in, in high school and then, uh, you know, continued on through college. I just never real, almost pretty much never stopped um, just playing some like Kevin, original stuff and some bands and in some bands covers and just back and forth and back and forth. And um had an opportunity, uh, when I was shortly out of college to, uh, join a a guy named Joe Bonamassa, who's a huge blues artist now. Uh, but at the time he he's from Utica. So his, his voice hadn't changed yet and they didn't know that he could sing. He sings beautifully. Uh, but they didn't know that back then. And, uh, so my agent in Syracuse called and said, they're auditioning for a, a singer for his band to do some touring. And, um, I, I, went out to Utica and auditioned and got that gig. And so I got the tour with Joey for uh, a while um, down the East coast and got to open up for, you know, spin doctors, blues traveler, BB King, you know, it was buddy guy. It was a pretty cool little feat, pretty cool experience, a very cool experience, but um, that was fairly short lived because they decided then that they wanted to Joey to uh, become more of a rock uh, band. And they had all these, famous people's kids uh, that they wanted to put into a band and they called this band bloodline and so they put out a couple of records as bloodline but they didn't need me anymore so that was that um i took a little time off then like kevin and started my uh went back to grad school and went to become an an education and thought i was done with music but um i actually went through this really weird phase of i guess it was a depression where i couldn't get off the couch after work i just lay there was really unhappy i had beautiful wife beautiful kids but i couldn't couldn't function and it was actually uh then that I got a call uh from Lou who started who was in Kane who wanted to start Kane and he said to me um do you want to be in a, a band we're going to do classic rock and we're going to do it right that's what he told me I remember and he said we're going to use big martial amps and we're going to he's a Leslie a b3 Leslie player we're going to do all that and I said no Lou I'm, I'm done with all that I don't have time and it was actually my wife who said I think you need to do this because you're not happy and I think it's because you don't have music and um, she was right. So I so I joined, uh, joined Kane and did that for 10 years. Uh, and then we started this band um, and some original stuff along the way. I just put out an original record last year with, with Kevin's help. Kevin's on it a lot. Um, so you can check that out on Spotify uh, or anything, uh, any of those streaming spaces. Uh, um, so I got back into writing original music again, which was really fun. And as Kevin mentioned, I, was lucky enough to uh, kind of jump in at the tail end of uh, Benny Mardonis' career. And I don't know if people know who Benny Mardonis is, but Benny Mardonis is most famous for his song Into the Night, which was a huge hit in the in 1980, I believe. Um, and then again, later in the 80s, it, it hit again. So it was kind of unusual that it got in the top 40 twice. Um, so it was fun to, even though it was towards the tail end of his career, and he certainly wasn't um, at, at his prime, so to speak, but uh, he was so so loved by his fans and he was uh, a really uh at the time i knew him he was an exceedingly gentle soul and very nice and very kind and uh actually taught me a lot and taught me a lot how to how to show the audience how much you care and love them so something i we try to bring to our shows as well
0: those are great stories uh I, kevin talking about eddie money the late eddie money i mean that's uh that's really cool. And Eddie uh, loved, Eddie loved Jeff. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie was, Eddie, a I have a picture.
1: I can send you of me and Eddie, uh, I'll yes. send you. from a soundcheck. Eddie, Eddie was a, a real character. And, and, uh, I think we all feel, all of us who got to work with him, everybody in the hurricanes, I think feels really lucky to have been able to spend a little time with him because he was, he was certainly one of a kind. He was, uh, very funny, very funny guy. And, um, and he, boy, did he know how to put on a show. Even sure. even when his voice wasn't as strong as it may have been in the past, he knew exactly how to assign uh, vocal parts to other people so that he could entertain. And he did a he did a tremendous job. And yeah. so again, we learned a lot. I learned a lot from him as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And. I've, I, you had so many name drops throughout both of you and uh, thinking, of brian, <laughs> thinking <laughs> of brian adams and uh, i saw him do an acoustic tour i think at the civic center back in 2011 12 or so um was still amazing you yeah. know even even then and uh jeff your story actually was reminding me of linda ronstadt and how she like learned how to sing her, her older brothers were like in a mm-hmm. choir and, you know, basically did the same thing, like taught her how to sing. And, um, and she mm-hmm. obviously had a great career. Now, for, for both of you, obviously, music is super important and just part of the foundation of your life. How, how realistic or like, how hard did you go after like, I guess the mainstream, you know, a uh, classic rock band that, that you think, you know, t- Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers type thing. Like, was that ever a dream for either one of you? Or was it more like, Hey, I just love playing music. I'm going to take it as far as it goes and just
1: have fun with it. I would bet that for both of us, I can't speak for Kevin, but I kind of feel like, no, I know him well enough that I have a feeling that there was this, I, I, there seems like there's this time period in your life when you're in your early twenties. Um, and uh, I know for me and I, I, I bet for Kevin, you know, there was a time when we both were really gunning for in, in bands that were gunning for that anyway. And, you know, it's, it's a shot in the dark. I think everybody knew that, but, you know, writing original music, trying to get an exposure, Kevin going to New York, you know, there was a reason for those trips. It was hopefully somebody would, would see them. And in the mayor, I was in a band called free at last, which we did a lot of original music and we, Talked to a lot of BNR people and did did that whole thing and um, you know so I think yeah there there is that point but then there's also that point where you start to realize that um, if it doesn't happen then what and what what are you losing if you don't get it and and I really honestly don't know whether or not you know the people who make it always tell you it's it's because they just persevered but I would imagine there's a whole bunch of other people who persevered and still didn't make it <laughs> and sure. uh, so I think. I think Kevin and I probably were similar and that we kind of made a conscious decision at some point that what we would be giving up by continuing to try that hard uh, might not be worth it uh, to, to, to lose. And in our cases, I think, and we're going to get a lot of brownie points for that, but in our cases, I think it was our wives um, and the opportunity to have kind of a family and a life and a, some kind of steady uh, secure life with, and now that we have children, I think, with the exception of certain days, we are both really glad with that decision. Um, so I can't speak for Kevin, but I have a feeling just knowing Kevin that we, we kind of had a very similar trajectory there too, as well. And yeah, then once right, that's right. done, you kind of get to a point where you don't do it or you do it less. And then you realize that, well, maybe, maybe I thought I was doing it for that, but maybe I was really doing it for all the right reasons that I really was doing it because I loved the camaraderie of the people I worked with and the musicians I got to play with. And I really loved, the challenge of trying to be the best I could at it and the joy that it brought other people uh, and still does. And I, for me, that's, there was some kind of revelation in there. And I think it was when I got off the couch and my wife got me off the couch that I realized that it, it doesn't have to be that kind of life. You don't have to have a multi-platinum selling records. You don't have to be on tour all the time to gain that kind of enjoyment out of music. And it can be a lifelong thing. So for me, that was kind of a an aha moment, if you will, that I I didn't have to, it was an all or nothing, you know, it wasn't an all sure. or nothing.
2: Yeah. That was, that was the same for me. I, you know, I, I obviously going down to New York city, I was in an original band, and, you know, we were, we were trying to make it and we did that for probably two or three years, at least. Wow. And at, at the time, and this is probably in the uh, mid 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 80s and and there was there was quite a bit of the, the music industry had mutated it was was really dynamic and mutating and uh things were changing from uh the decade prior from the way the music business was a decade prior so you know at that time I was in my mid-20s and uh as as i was getting older i would you know the responsibilities start you know uh, accumulating and and you feel a little more tied down um and it was i mean not that i regret it but um it was just the the allure of yeah you know, i, I remember the last gig we did in New York city in this band I was in, we were driving home in the van. And uh, before we left to come home, there was a guy down there that had been scoping us out. He wanted, he wanted to put us into a development deal Um, and a development deal at the time meant, you know, you basically uh, you you hold yourself up in a studio, you write songs and you're holed up in the studio uh, during the off hours um he promised us uh um studio time you know it'd be the middle of the night you know and um but we'd have to forsake everything to all as a band we were a four piece at the time and had to forsake everything and move down to new york city and at the time my wife was pregnant with twins our first and and i had a i had a decent job um So it was just, uh, it was too little, too late for me. And I had lost a lot of the drive that I had had, you know, four or five years earlier. Um, and it was harder to make a living as a musician, because as I said, the, uh, a lot of the, the, uh, the entertainment venues and the dynamics and the colleges you could play, it was, you you, you weren't going to make as much money as you had in the years prior because the, the jobs just, you know, you, you weren't going to play in front of thousands of kids at a, at a uh, 120 keg event at a university because those things didn't exist anymore um, because the drinking age had changed. So a lot of stuff had changed at the time, including the ability to make money playing music if you weren't signed to anybody. So I just kind of, you know, for me, um, I just kind of petered out and turned the the page and started another chapter in my life.
0: Do you think, I guess just one last point for this topic and then we can move on to other things. Like for both of you growing up in the area that I grew up, I, I know economically what some of the challenges are and. But even just thinking about the differences in um, the way that you could get exposure, you know, back when um, you guys were trying to really make it like, is it almost you needed to do the Tom Petty thing where he had, he had to leave Gainesville and go to Los Angeles, like go to Los Angeles or go, like you did, Kevin, go to New York. Like those are one of your two options. Otherwise, yeah. the chances of making it
2: really slim. Oh, yeah absolutely yeah i mean we were the guy that we were dealing with wanted us all to quit our jobs move down to new york York city and that's the way it was done you know um but it uh it just didn't at that point in my life it just didn't appeal to me yeah
1: i was really lucky the band i was in uh, in the early 90s was uh an original project and two of the guys owned a studio in Syracuse or actually a really great studio in Syracuse. Um, and so the, the, the studio time was always free, which was great. Um, and I actually lived upstairs uh, and it was a pretty disgusting place so much so that my now wife who was my girlfriend at the time wouldn't go there to visit me. I had to go <laughs> visit her. Um, <laughs> um, so um, so we had, the good news is we could, we could make great demos uh, and stuff like that um, uh, but uh same thing you know we had to we had to get out of here to 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 play we got a little help when I was working with Joe Bonamassa their management company signed us for a year and so they pushed us out to Buffalo Rochester Albany with plans to go other places but um but then I when I when I made the decision to uh, to go back to school because uh, I, I, I really thought it was it's funny when you're that age, you think you're really old, you know, and you get 25 or you're like, Oh my God, I'm 25. It's over. My shot is over. And not until you realize that most of these guys who get signed and are like older than you think they are. Um, and they're they're 31 and 33. And, um, and if I had known that I probably would have tried a little longer, but, um, I just felt like, Oh my God, I'm so old. She's going to leave me, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be living in my parents' basement for the rest of my life, kicked off that I didn't make it, you know, and just be frustrated. So I had to find something else that I like to do. And for me, it was, I always liked working with kids. So I went back to become a teacher. Uh, and when I was doing that, I was actually in grad school. The band hadn't played and we had kind of split up um, when I made the decision to go to school. And it was literally right in the middle of my program when I got a call from the guitar player who said, uh, there's a guy I forget I don't even remember what label it was it was one of the major labels and he's an A&R guy and he wants to meet us in New York yeah we have to go down to New York and I remember that because I didn't know what to do um, and I actually called a uh, gentleman by the name of Dave Razek who was a pretty well-known very well-known agent in central New York uh, um, and I asked him for advice I said what do I do you know do I literally possibly drop out of my program my graduate program and Go down. Should I just go meet with this guy, and and should I not meet with them? And and same thing. I said. And he said, you know, chances are that they're gonna if they're gonna offer you something, they're gonna offer you a development deal, just like Kevin said. And if they offer you a development deal, uh, that for most bands, that's the end of the line. Um, So it's very few bands who get the opportunity to do a development deal, and then after the development deal, there's very few bands who get to the first actual album, and there's almost no bands in, in comparison to the number of bands who get to the second album. He said, so when you think of it that way, you'd be taking a massive, massive risk. And the chances are really good that after the development deal is over, you're just going to be right back in Syracuse sitting around trying to figure out what your next move is. So sure. uh, I made the, I took his advice and I, I didn't, I didn't even go down for the meeting. And I think I lost a couple of friends in the band uh, because of that decision. But I, I had to do the, I had to do the right thing for, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't take that path at that time. It just, it just wasn't working. Sure.
0: So you gave us the origin story then of hard promises. Am I allowed to
1: drink beer on here? Is this a problem? You're allowed to do okay. whatever you want.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there are no rules on sponsors- my We've
1: been trying to get a sponsorship deal have we Kevin for a long time for Mick ultra yeah
0: been. yeah, yeah. We, they said they be tell be us well. we
1: saw the most Mick ultra in in this whole area region but they won't give us a, a sponsorship
0: <laughs> well when this goes viral then they'll. that they'll would have be to great yeah it. we'd yeah. love it <laughs> so uh you gave us the origin story and I'm just wondering like how, how do you settle on Tom Petty like like really legitimately say like, okay, we're, we're going now all in on this. Whoever wants to stab at that. <laughs>
1: that was a pretty easy decision. It wasn't like we sat down and said, we want to do a tribute band and let's figure out which tribute band to do. It, it was, it was really started with us loving the song that we were doing in Kane and one of the guys not, and not letting us play Tom Petty. So we, we really genuinely loved and appreciated Tom Petty first and foremost, I think. I don't think I sound exactly like Tom Petty and I um, you know, I don't try to imitate him uh, because I have too much respect for him to do that. I think, you know, one of the things we like about Tom Petty is some people see him as a character, but I don't, he wasn't a character. He was just a really great singer songwriter um, and the band was tremendous. So we just, we looked at, that was really the main driving force, but then you look at it from another angle and this is what Kevin says all the time. He's absolutely right. Is you know, how many, how many musicians, uh, and bands span four decades of yeah. having, uh, music on the radio, new music on the radio for four right. decades. Right. So his musical catalog is so huge that it's endless for us to be challenged and try to learn new material of his. We've still all these years later have not gotten to complete the list that we wrote many years ago. Um, yeah. We still we can't get to the bottom of that list, you know,
2: it's sure. it's it's fun. When I first was in it, started playing uh, well in the 70s. That's not when I first started playing. But, you know, so Petty came out in the 70s and I was learning Tom Petty songs. At one point, I was in a cover band in the 70s. We were learning American Girl and and uh, Damn the Torpedoes came out. And then, you know, fast forward 40 years. And uh, and and when Hard Promises formed, Tom Petty was still very much alive, still very much putting out new music. Um, Hard uh, Promises formed, I think, in 2012, and you know, Mojo, the 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 album Mojo hadn't come out yet. Um, so he just had this career that just spans my lifetime and our lifetimes, and so what better you know we and we all loved the music it was it, it just you know it resonated with all of us it's not like we had to be virtuosos to play the music um and we definitely decided we weren't going to uh, go down the road of trying to dress up like tom petty and you know sew a, sew a wig into a hat which <laughs> tribute bands do you know tom petty tribute bands do and and uh, put the fake dreadlocks on a fat old balding guy like myself, you know. And so, um, you know, we, we just love the music. And that's why we play Tom Petty music. It's, it's just, I, I, I listen to it all day, every day still, you know, on Sirius XM. I just put yeah. that station on and I, there's new stuff I discover all the
1: time. And we really like a lot of the live, a lot of the live stuff really gets us going. And so that Tom Petty station on XM is awesome. And we, you know, in the middle of the day, we call each other and are like, I just heard a really cool version of this. And we learned it from another live version, but we got to go check this one out. Cause that is really cool. Cause yeah. he changed it every tour. He changed an ending or he changed a, a, a format. It was just, it was just really, he was really a true musician, you know, and I don't, I don't think anybody uh, can ever take that away from him. And as Kevin said, you know, he's talking about sewing wigs on. It's we we uh, we actually do know some bands and, you know, that's their thing. That's cool. We're not we're not, you know, knocking them. It's just that we when we talked about it, we were like, you know, we'd like to think that we're musicians and we just love Tom Petty and we want to play Tom Petty music for other people who love Tom Petty. And that's it. If you want to see a a wax museum show, you know, or a (laughs) uh, a hologram, you know, there's all those things out there, or you want to go see someone dress up because that's what you need from the concert. Then there are bands for that too, but uh, that's not who we are. We're not trying to be them. I don't try to talk like them. I don't, I don't really study his mannerisms or anything like those bands do. I just, we just love the music and, um, and, and we hope probably just we probably bring a little bit of ourselves into it as well, which we'd like to think that Tom would dig, you know, like I think if Tom was alive, I think uh, and he really would, probably wouldn't love. I don't know if he'd love a tribute band that just tried to completely imitate him. And uh, I think he'd probably rather like bands that bring a little bit of their own interpretation to his music. Yeah, he just seems like that kind of guy. I don't yeah. know. Him.
0: yeah unfortunately i didn't get to meet him either um but i will give kudos to you guys i mean and i think this goes back to what you had said earlier jeff too about uh when you were uh, with with Kane, or when you were thinking about joining Kane, and just hearing that we're going to do music right and like having been someone who's heard you guys multiple times live like and loving tom petty as much as you do like you do the music right and you feel that energy and like yeah. I knew you outgrew the the palace theater, but like when that place was rock and that was so cool to just be like with everyone and uh, just feel all that. And it's cool in the other spots too, but like, um, so I, I mean, I can, I can really feel that. And I think that resonates with a lot of people. And I'm curious because you, you both have brought it up. So I, I only got to see Petty and the heartbreakers one time it was on his final tour in Rochester. I saw him, I think it was to the day three months to the day that he died um, wow. in in Rochester wow. and uh, it was a great show um, you know amazing but I'm curious like how, how have, have things changed in the way that you you know either go about the music or talk about his music since he's passed or is it just really you, know, you still have those same feelings that you had when he was with us and and you're just going to keep honoring him and rocking out as long as you want to.
2: Well, yeah, things have changed because he's no longer here. So he's a commodity, you know, I, it, the, he's a commodity that's not available anymore. Um, and so, but, but that is, that statement is true of a, a, a ton of bands that from that era Sure. So that's why you know, uh, uh, tribute bands as you know, or uh, the cover bands, they're just becoming really, really popular uh, uh, now. And, and so, so for the, so for the Petty show, um, you know, we might not have gotten so many people to come see us cause why come, you know, if Petty's playing six months from now at SPAC or, or C-Mac or something, um, You know, that was an opportunity, but those, those opportunities don't exist anymore. So you've either got YouTube or DVDs, concerts, or,
0: you know, The the, XM station.
2: The XM station, (laughs) you know, so your options are, are are more limited now. Um, So there's, there is quite a bit of interest in not only Tom Petty people doing Tom Petty music, but people doing other, you know, bands music. Yeah, there's well. really only
1: two kind of bands out there right now on the road that are the classic rock bands. There are very few that have the majority of original members anymore. Right. So there's bands like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, which are unfortunately no longer together. Of course, Mike Campbell's still turning out great music with the Dirty yeah. Knobs, um, which, which is still fantastic to hear, but then there are other bands who go out and maybe not because they've died, but maybe because they're no longer able to be on the road or they don't want to be on the road anymore. You have a lot of bands with the names, you know, but they're, you know, they're not really the the same band or they're just almost a, you know, borderline tribute band to begin with, you know, um, I won't mention any names, but um, <laughs> one not original member care, but you know they might have one original member and it might be, yeah. you know, the drummer, uh, who's the Eagles um you know so you get you get that and and sometimes it still sounds great because they find a singer for instance who sounds like the original person and they do a great job with it so i'm not knocking it but once you get to that point suddenly now you're you kind of are just another tribute band in some ways um who owns the name um uh but it's it's sad in general when you asked about tom petty it's the the saddest part is that he can't put out any more music for us so yeah yeah um we're very lucky with the huge catalog that he left us but you always wonder what the next album would have sounded like um and what direction he would have gone because he was really willing to try anything um and i think actually in his later life he actually got you know even more uh creative because he had that freedom where you know he had he had attained that level where he could go in and really hit record and and do some wild, wild stuff. We, we, we talk about the song, I should have known it, which uh, which just one that we have to get done (laughs) soon. Um, But um, if you listen to that song, you know, you would never think it was a Tom until he sings, you would never think it was a Tom Petty song. It sounds very Zeppelin-y, but he didn't care. You know, he went in and he said, "There's a cool riff. I want to try it. And it was almost like paying homage to, uh, to some of the people he listened to, but, In our cover band, our tribute show, our our classic rock mix show, um, the saddest thing is that we we say this kind of laughing, but actually it's very sad that, you know, we're almost at the point where everybody we play is is no longer with us or at least no longer touring. So it's, it's, uh, it's sad, but, you know, it's the music we grew up to and to the people we play it for, whether it's the Tom Petty show or whether it's the classic rock mix, I know that the song I'm playing for them, there are people out there and that that song means something really special to them from a moment in their life that they're looking back on very fondly. And so to me, that is part of the fuel is really how much joy I see from 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 the people when we when we bring back a memory for them. And so I, I really dig that.
0: Sure. And you're actually bringing up two questions that one I had written down and one I've just been curious about forever. And uh, I'll get your both opinion on this in a second, but let's hit the first question since you just talked about it, connecting with the audience and specifically with younger generations. Hmm. Um, I'm 33. I got my love of classic rock from my dad, um, Petty, the Eagles that, that I just shouted out, uh, Springsteen, and, um, they're, they're probably my top three, but I, I, I wonder, I have a almost two year old daughter now. And, um, you know, I just wonder though about younger generations and this type of music in general, how important is it for both of you to keep those memories alive and to like keep the music alive? Like, is it as simple as just showing up for your shows and putting on the best show you can or like doing something like this, where you get to like talk about it with other people and hopefully get more exposure? Like, is that something you actively think about? Or is it just like, like I said, just showing up and putting on the best show that you can?
2: Well, I, I think it's it's a little of both. But a lot of it's just showing up because, um, I mean, you could be my son. You're old enough to be my son. I, I have my twins are two years younger than you. Okay. So. Um, all my kids, I have four kids, they all know every single song, every Beatles song, every stone song, everything, because they grew up in the house, just like you just alluded to, with, with classic rock um intermingled with all of the, their contemporary uh uh bands that they listen to, that all their friends listen to. It's just all one big pot of music. Yeah. And um, so it, it's 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 actually pretty fascinating because we see a lot of younger people at our shows like yourself. Um, and it's actually, you know, at some point I'm like, you know, how do they know this song? You know? (laughs) And it's, it's the, the answer is obvious. It's because their mother or father played it for them or grandmother or whatever.
1: Um, Or, or it was in a, or it was in a movie. Uh, (laughs) a lot of them hear these songs from. From movies, uh, from great soundtracks and movies, and
2: yeah,
1: uh, they Point they
2: Tarantino.
1: They don't. That's the only place they know where it's from. They're like, "Oh, you played that song from Blades of Glory." We're like, "No, that's Stroke by Billy Squire. That was actually yeah. a song <laughs> before it w- before it was in a Will Ferrell movie." But uh, <laughs> but it's so. it's it, you know it it is it's great that that music is still in movies and still around and still in it, even in advertisements. You know, usually it's for a. For a medicine, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> the ED ads.
1: <laughs> yeah, we. I thought for a while that we should do a medley of all the songs from from pharmaceutical ads for our audience because that's about the right age. Um, but do it with the actual pharmacies, like they change the name to have the medicine in it. and We should just do it straight like that.
2: <laughs> but on the other token, uh, Colin. Uh, um... It, it's uh, we, we don't actively seek out what we're doing right now in this podcast. We, you know, we we gladly um, jump at the chance, but we don't have an agent that's out there pushing this stuff for us. We we probably need one. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, we, honestly, we we are at no loss for gigs and, uh, so I suppose if we were at a loss for gigs, we probably would get an agent and start pushing for this kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, we're, we're absolutely happy to do this because it's, it's fun and it's, it it's, uh, it's a, it's a great vehicle to get who we are out to the masses,
1: you know what's what's kind of funny is that we were when we were in Kane. Kane was a was a pretty big band, had a pretty big following in town, Syracuse for sure. And um, I got a little stressed out by the whole thing towards the end, and that was one of the reasons why I told everybody I had to go. I couldn't couldn't do it anymore. And it was actually Pete Levanti, who was one of the original original members of Hard Promises, who was also in Kane. He was a he was their original drummer in Hard Promises, uh, who gave me a call and said, "Look." I know you don't want to be in something like Kane anymore, but you know, why don't we go do something different? Why don't we keep our promises going and do this? And I said, no, I, I don't want, I don't want the stress of all that. And he goes, no, 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 we'll just do it small. We'll just do like, you know, we'll play like a little bar in Syracuse called shifties. We'll just play little bars well, where we I'm just jealous. walk in set up and, you know, 30 people show up and it's just truly for fun. We'll have some beer. We'll relax. We'll enjoy the music together. And that'll be it. And I'm like, oh, that, that, that actually sounds the opposite of Kane. That sounds great and. <laughs> you know it just kind of naturally grew very quickly into something far bigger than we had originally planned um and that's true of the Tom Petty tribute side of it as well because we yeah. started you mentioned the palace but we actually started at doing that at the um dinosaur barbecue in syracuse which is a very famous barbecue restaurant but um and uh but they had an upstairs that was small it, i think it I think 200 or 220 was capacity 20,
2: yeah.
1: and uh, and a small stage. We could barely fit on it. And we said, well, let's try it there and let's just see if anybody wants to see this. And so that was the first petty fest. Um, and uh, it sold out, you know, and it was sweaty and hot and it was like a, it felt like a frat party. It was fun. Um, so I wish you had experienced that. Cause we were dripping wet. The crowd was dripping wet and uh, it was a party. And we did that for a few years there. Before we moved it to the palace, um, so things just kind of grew like that for us, and, and it wasn't really planned. Uh, it wasn't planned. It was just that the musical selection we were choosing, whether it was Petty or whether it was the classic rock mix, kind of got people to want to come out and see us. I think hopefully it had something to do with our musicianship, but I think obviously we didn't write these songs. So, um, but we 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 tried to throw every we still do. We try to throw a party. You know, I mean that's the only thought when I write the set list, that's the only thought that I put into it is what song goes well into the next song? And how do I build this block of three or four songs into a frenzy? And then how do I get out of it? You know, so because we can't go any higher than that. And how do I, you know, what comes after that? And, and how do we make the time go by really fast for everybody and make them feel like they got a great soundtrack going on for their party? And I think that just kind of happened very naturally. It was, it was not a, not intentional and now we have so much work that literally we're we're kind of in a phase where we're working really hard to uh to to learn to say no uh to sure. things because it's, it's we're kevin and i are, are generally people who like to say yes to things and and uh like to please people so it's hard to be that person who gets the call and has to say no um the things that are great great opportunities but we've got to we've got to take care of ourselves too and do it, make sure we're still doing it for the right reasons.
2: Yeah. And we don't, we don't want to overstay our welcome either. You know, there's, there's a point of diminishing returns where people just get tired of bands. Um, Yeah. We've
1: seen that in Syracuse a lot, but in a town like Syracuse, there is a, a shelf life and we didn't expect to get to the level we are in terms of the opportunities we have to play and the crowds we get to play in front of. But we know that that, but at some point that will go the other way. And we've already kind of made a pact that when we see that happening, we would gladly step aside and be grateful for the time we had there. Not maybe stop playing completely, but we will uh, back it way off to the point where we're truly only doing it when we really, when we really want to do it and let other bands have their opportunity in the limelight too.
0: Well, I appreciate that you both said yes to doing this. Um, cause this well, is- I, I,
1: I heard, I heard the check was really, really big.
0: <laughs> yes. You should be expecting that in a couple days. So That's let the me way know. You sold it to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. A really big check. You can't cash it, but it's a really big check.
0: A really big check. Just like an happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, I have one, one more deep question for you. And then just a couple quick hitters. I do want to be cognizant of your time and not take up all night here. Um, The the last deep question goes back to what you were saying about the cover bands. And so I just went to, I'll give you context into why I've been thinking about this recently. Uh, The Eagles were, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina now. They came to Charlotte at the end of February. And then they were in Mm. Raleigh, which is a couple hours away. My parents are there. So I saw them both times. They played the Hotel California album all the way through. uh, And then uh, they played the greatest hits uh, pretty much after that. And, you know, to your point earlier, Henley is the only original member of the band still playing. Um, you know, they're, they're everyone but Glenn Fry is still alive from the original band, but uh, Randy doesn't play anymore and um, Bernie doesn't play anymore. And they've been replaced by Joe and Tim who were there. But, you know, it's, it's definitely different. And uh, I was talking with my wife afterward and I said, do you think there's ever going to get to a point where like cover bands of these great american rock and roll bands will be selling out arenas like the eagles like tom petty and the heartbreakers like are we going to get to that point in 20 30 years because people want the music so badly like they miss it so much like do you think that that's a realistic thing where we could have cover bands when these people are unfortunately going to be gone uh, for the most part or is that like is that a little bit too uh, romantic with this, this whole rock and roll
1: thing? <laughs> I don't, I don't think you'll see, you know, stadiums and arenas. I, I doubt that. Um, I think you'll see more things. I think you're seeing them already in the summer. I see a lot of these tribute festivals, for instance, mm. where they group five or six bands, uh, tribute bands together, perhaps a bands that you can't see anymore. Um, and those, those will, will probably continue to be popular and, you know, there will always be a niche for a, for a good cover band. Uh, we'll always do well. There's certain ones that hit certain ones that don't. And usually the ones that hit seem to be some, if you're just staying in an area, it's because you're trying to do something a little different than everybody else. If, If you're just trying to do what, what the most popular classic rock band in town is doing, for instance, and watching them and then trying to echo it or do it, you know, you go to your rehearsal and you try to mimic it, you know, it's like, uh, you'll always be the RC Cola uh,
0: <laughs> compared to
1: Coke. You gotta, you've gotta, you got to, I think when the bands do something different and don't choose the song that everybody else is doing, but choose another great song, and there's so many great songs um, that, that then they kind of branch off and, and get a following, but not a following to the level you're talking about. Sure, um, sure. In, in a sense, there are some bands like that right now, but they own the name and they're still going out there. Some of them don't have any original members anymore, truly no original members anymore but they still own the name and they still have a connection to the original band, whether they were on an album or one album or something like that. So um, the exception of that, I don't know. I don't know if Kevin feels differently, but I can't imagine a time when a tribute band for the Eagles will draw like the Eagles draw, they'll draw better. You know, when you can't see the Eagles anymore at all, for sure. But, sure. Um, and you know, the thing about that we don't t- didn't talk about is that as much as we like playing Kevin and I like, listening to music. (laughs) Um, We like going to concerts just as much as playing. I mean, I, and so that's something we're really trying hard to fit into. I, you know, there's some great concerts that come around here of people that we won't get to see much longer, unfortunately. Um, And uh, as, as we have some great gigs in June, some really big, we're playing headlining taste of Syracuse on Friday night. And we're excited about that. But I have to tell you that the very next night on Saturday night, Paul McCartney's coming to the dome, and uh, honestly, I'm I'm pretty damn excited to see Paul McCartney <laughs> on Saturday night. So, I mean, that's a hell of a weekend. I'm happy with the combination, but I, I wouldn't have missed uh, Paul McCartney for the world. And the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald—they're coming here in in June as well. I mean, that's who thought we'd get to see that? You know, that's just yeah. So
2: you
1: know, we're, we're we're music lovers. I just came back. Evan knows. I just came back from a trip to New York to see a band I love not a hugely popular band but they had some hits in their day and I just love their music named Delametri and uh uh I literally drove to New York down to New York to be able to see them play after they haven't been in America in 25 years so you know we we love we love music not just making it but we love listening to really great music so it's, it, I hope some of those don't go away last year James Taylor and Jackson Brown came here and played I you know they were they were fantastic but You know that father time is, is, is ticking and they won't want to come out and, or won't be able to come out and play for us anymore. So, yeah.
0: How about you, Kevin, any thoughts to add on that?
1: Well,
2: your original question, you know, will, will bands, you know, Eagle and Eagles tribute band be as big as Eagles. I, I agree with Jeff hundred percent. There's no way, you know, because then it comes down. Yeah. If you look across the, just the U S um, like for Tom Petty tribute bands, we, we ended up going to Florida last year to play down at the hard rock and, 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 um, and the guy that we were working with said there are it, it was something over forty different Tom Petty tribute bands across the U.S. Sure, last year and 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 you know that number is increasing. Um, so you know the 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 markets out there, but nobody. The the personalities that are that comprise Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are the personalities. Nobody's nobody's going to replicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you're not going to have fans of the imitators. You're going to have fans of the music that want to hear the music. They want to hear the music, frankly, live. They don't want you know, it's it's one thing to be it's thrilling to hear it on the radio and to hear You know, the live versions of it playing uh, on your stereo or whatever. But it's also thrilling to be in the moment in a concert where you, you can hear a song that you love live. And honestly, it doesn't really matter who's as long as they're playing it well and are faithful to the song. It doesn't matter what, you know, most people don't care. Yeah,
0: sounds the same.
1: (laughs) You know, there are some exceptions. I'll I'll mention Get the Let Out. I don't know if you've seen Get the Let Out, Colin, but they're, um, you know, they're, in my opinion, and not to piss off anybody, but in my opinion, they are the very best Led Zeppelin uh, tribute band out there. But they're not really a tribute band. They're very interesting in the way they do it. They're not trying to imitate, much like we don't, they're not trying to imitate Zeppelin on stage. The guy in the middle doesn't try to be Robert Plant, although he does look like he's from that era. Um, <laughs> but there's other guys that don't look like that, and they come off and say they have nine people, I believe, in the band. At any oh, given wow. time, it could be four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine on stage depending on the song, and they make it clear that all they're trying to do is give you the experience of the album that you used to love on stage uh, with no uh, tracks, no, no fake tracks going on. Everything is real. They draw really, really well. They do draw you know, they'll play, a uh, two, three, 4,000 seat place and pretty much sell it out. Now yeah, that's yeah. not compared if Zeppelin got back together, you know, miraculously, they would obviously sell out Wembley. So, um, it's not going to be that big, but bands that do it really well and set themselves apart, um, or the bigger bands that people will never get to see again. I think there is a market for that. Um, but you gotta be, you gotta be the, you gotta be the best. And that takes a lot of time and dedication. And I'm, they're relentless um, at doing
0: that. Sure. I know we're getting toward the top of the hour. You guys have time for a few quick hit questions and we'll sure. Yeah, knock this off. Okay. We're past Uh, Jeff's bedtime. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I've been asleep this whole time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why he's got that beer over there. (laughs) (laughs) It's my bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, All right. Let's start with an easy one. Uh, Favorite Tom Petty in the Heartbreaker song. Kevin, you go first. Uh, here comes my girl.
1: <laughs> I have to say that's mine too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, I think I don't. I mean, there's a million of them. So, but I think it for me, it's. I always love that song. I love the progression in it. Yeah. I love the way he incorporated the whole feel of that song is just killer. The era that they recorded it, I love that. Yeah. That type of rec- the sound of the records back in that day in the late seventies had a certain sound to it that I loved, but yeah. on top of it all, it really is what started us on our journey and our promises. So it has a kind of endearing spot in our heart. And cause you mentioned that I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I put that in the set list for the 29. Next game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great song. Definitely agree. Uh, I know nobody cares, but my favorite is you Wreck me and, yeah, uh, that's but, and my wife's uh, wedding song and I, our wedding song was actually wildflowers. So. Uh, oh, yeah, it definitely holds a special place in the heart. I'll have to send you guys. Um, she got a, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's a record uh, as an anniversary gift. I'll, I'll take a picture of it and I'll send you guys. It's uh, pretty cool. It says wildflowers. It has the whole, uh, the lyrics around the record. Um, oh, wow. it's, it's really oh, nice. Wow. That's a beautiful yeah. song. Yeah,
1: there's no doubt
0: about it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, All right. uh, Next question. What is your favorite thing about any live show? Just playing live. What's the best thing about Jeff? You get this one first.
1: Playing live or going to a live show? Playing live?
0: Playing live. Yes.
1: Uh, It's the uh, energy that flows back and forth between the audience and us. And uh, that's everything uh, to me.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree 100 percent. It's the it's the uh, dialogue between us and the people that are watching or listening. Um, it's just it's electrifying. It's
0: no other way to describe it. <laughs> Being a spectator, that's all the insight I can give. I have those same feelings when I go to shows. That's what draws me to go to see live music so i can't even imagine what it's like on the other side well it's the
2: same excited yeah i get i get when i'm a spectator more often than not than not the uh, the hair on the back, back of my neck is standing up on <laughs> yeah. certain songs and i just oh, yeah. get you know it's the emotion of of just watching somebody play a song that means so much to you yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a thrill
0: very cool. All right. Last question. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to either one of you at a live show when, mm-hmm. when you're playing at a live show, might need a second to think about this one, but. uh, <laughs> will keep it clean.
2: <laughs> it's usually for me, the ones that the stuff that jumps off, that jumps out is when people hop up on stage for whatever reason. Um, But, you know, some, sometimes somebody will hop up on stage just because they're really into the music. And then other times they're just on stage and you have no idea why they're there. And they don't know why they're there either. (laughs) We played this show over last summer, Jeff, remember the DJ? Yeah. The guy was a DJ. (laughs) And we're, and he was on stage and we we kept laughing and we had no idea who he was and but he was a DJ inside it was at Sharky's we were outside in the pavilion he was and and we're, and he's got this camera and he didn't he grab the microphone too or something like that and we're like who is this guy and and
1: he kept inviting yeah he kept laying down on the ground and taking video like so I'm singing and he's like. And yeah, he's like, like directing Austin a video Howard. and I'm like, I don't, I didn't know who he, I'm like, who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing with this video? And, and, uh and then he started to grab women from the audience and yeah. there's the stairs on the side and he kept calling more of them, more of them up. And I finally was like, you know, no, no more. <laughs> please stop.
2: <laughs> so yeah, it it, beca- it became very chaotic. Another one was like, like the old Benny Mardonis shows, um, at the there Benny had a song called Sheila C, which was a very popular song. Um, and we'd always close, we'd always end the night with it because during Sheila C, uh, Benny used to try and get every single girl that was in the audience to come on stage. And I'm there'd be 50 there'd be 50 women on stage and they're tripping over our pedal boards and our amplifiers and they're, you know, um and it was you know it was it was cl- it was clearly for a laugh you know and, and and people were more than happy just to come up and squeeze you know it was like sardine can on stage and suddenly the best place to be at the show was down on the in the audience so you know it, very chaotic but very laugh friendly stuff sure
0: (laughs) Jeff anything to add from your side
1: no uh I I, uh the ones that come to mind are ones that I that can't be repeated I guess generally I'll say that the the ones that you remember the craziest ones are when people uh behave in ways that you know they would never behave (laughs) outside in normal life like a woman who might be a banker teller and she's doing something incredibly inappropriate and wild in front of you. Um, and that's what runs through my mind every time. It's nothing like <laughs> the old days where I think, well, wow, this is really cool. I'm always like, I wonder what this person does for a living.
0: <laughs> uh, how the perspectives change on, yeah. on all of that. <laughs> well, guys, uh, Literally, I could probably talk to you all night. I feel like we talked about so much, but we didn't talk about anything at the same time. So uh, we're good at I, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just, I just mean like I feel like I didn't get to anything. It was on my notes here because we just went through so many, so many other things. So uh, this has been, you know, really awesome for me, and um, I just uh, really appreciate the work that you guys do. I know you just wrapped up. Uh, Petty Fest 8 uh, recently, uh, any, anything coming up um, that you want to shout out real quick uh, before we get going?
1: Uh, lots of lots of great stuff. We. we uh, we're, we're uh, we got a great summer ahead. You know, we're playing a lot of plays, a lot of festivals, Harbor Fest, uh, Taste of Syracuse, uh, Bacon Fest, uh, Italian Fest, <laughs> lots of fests. Um, Petty Fest is actually scheduled yeah we have a we have a we have a date that we haven't announced yet but in the fall uh, we're going to do petty fest nine nice um and uh as soon as we get the word that we can announce it we're excited to announce that and we're excited to get working on that we are going to do a we're going to we'll probably be at the state fair it's not definite yet but usually we play a petty show there which is always a great time and um and lots of clubs and club gigs and outdoor places like Sharkies and Sharky's bike night and which are always a blast you know especially you know, from living up here, unlike where you live now, you know, we cherish summer here because <laughs> it's so short. Um, but so when summer comes, you get a nice night and the bikes are rolling into a place like Sharkies. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you can't beat it, you know? Yeah.
0: Bringing back good memories for me, for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> make sure you
2: Colin, make sure you stop. If you're ever back up North and we're playing,
0: we'd love to, Love to see you. Oh yeah, I definitely will take you up on that. Actually, literally every time we, so my my wife's parents are still up there, so we do get up uh, every once in a while. I I always look. That's the first thing I look to see if you guys are playing because uh, it's definitely been a few years now with COVID and everything yeah. that I've uh, and just being down here that I've gotten to see you. So, um, but this is again, just thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the time that you both took today. Oh my god! Oh, thank thank you. you. Nice talking great. with you. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Great to meet you and very, very nice speaking with you.